Hello and welcome to Plants and Things Podcast. My name is Katie and I'm a hobbyist gardener. Today I want to talk about something that is near and dear to my heart, bugs. (laughs) I love insects and learning about them and the different roles that they play in our ecosystems. Um, Specifically, I want to talk about pollinators and how they are going to help you in your garden, how you can attract them, um, how you can provide a good ecosystem for them. So I want to start off by saying pollinators are so super important to our ecosystems. So they are responsible for pollinating like 70% of flowering plants um, and the things that we eat so if you think about your garden whenever you see the blossoms on like tomatoes or um, peppers whatever you're growing in your garden they need a pollinator to go from one flower to another on that plant Um, which is why we do recommend planting things in bunches so whenever you're planting like your tomatoes that's why you plant them together so that like it makes it easier for pollinators to go from one to another to pollinate um those flowers but they're so super important for that without bees um we would be in trouble (laughs) um we would really be in trouble because um there are other species that do you know pollinate flowers like butterflies moths hummingbirds um even like beetles flies wasps and i've even seen ants doing some pollination so they're they're all doing pollinating work however bees are doing the bulk of it Um, And there are specific bee species that are doing a lot. So like, for example, 250 mason bees can populate an acre of apple trees, whereas it would take like 10,000 to 250,000 honeybees to do the same work. So um, depending on the species of bee, they've evolved in these ecosystems for this role. Um, they've evolved basically alongside the native plants in your ecosystem, which is why it's so important to plant native species so that you're attracting these native pollinators that are going to be able to survive and thrive in your garden. So I do want to talk about a couple of my favorites. So one of my favorite um, bees and If you're not super familiar with bees, I didn't know this until a couple of years ago. I first became interested in bees um, whenever I started keeping honeybees. And I was so fascinated by how they lived in hives and and how they they were social bees. They worked together to um, make honey and it was just so fascinating to me. And then I started doing research with bees and I learned that there are so many different kinds of bees um, there, you know, other than the common honeybees that you see, like the European honeybee, Apis mellifera, I think is how you pronounce that. Um, I do struggle with the the proper scientific names of things because they're, Latin's hard to pronounce sometimes. Um, but... There are also solitary bees that don't nest together. Um, so an example of that is one of my favorite bees, Megachile. They 
use different materials to nest, but I think the most um, common one that I've seen is either like the they use like leaves, so they're called uh, leaf cutter bees, and they use those to kind of like cap off their um, nests where they will either nest like there's some that nest in the ground and there's some that nest in like holes. Um, I've seen ones that will nest in holes in the um, like wood boxes or um, holes in like trees or um, things like that. Um, typically they do, I think, mostly nest in like pre-existing holes. Um, however, like mason bees, I've seen people have like mason bee traps because they don't want them like um, drilling holes in like their wood in their house or their, um, you know, porch or whatever it is. I've run into that issue myself but I do not set traps for them because they're such an important part of my ecosystem and my garden. I do not want to do anything that could harm them. Um, so I try really hard in my garden to make it um, pollinator friendly. So a couple of things that I recommend um, not doing is setting out traps for them. Um, I recommend not using like pesticides or herbicides one that they'll harm the bees and and they will ultimately kill the bees if you if you use those um and they you know come into contact with that um but not just that they also if you're using like herbicides on like um dandelions or flowering plants that you may consider a weed that will also kind of you know that's their food source, especially like dandelions are one of the first flowering plants here in my area um, to sprout. And whenever you're spraying those with herbicides, that's getting rid of their food source. Not only is that getting rid of their food source, but um, they might go like looking for it and find it, especially honeybees. Honeybees can get into like a herbicide or a pesticide or something like that and bring that back to the colony if they don't um, die like right then. But it's not... It's not a good thing. I have seen, so I used to keep honeybees and I have seen my honeybees um, die from coming in contact with poison and the symptoms that they, they show are typically like their little tongue sticking out and it is so, so sad to see. Um, so I recommend not doing that in your garden, um, but if you do, you know, no judgment. This is a judgment-free zone. Um, so, you know, you obviously know what works, what works best for you in your garden, um, but I don't do that in my garden. And if, you know, you're thinking about um, different ways that you can uh, prevent, you know, some of the bugs that may eat your, your crops and your food as well, because I realize I have struggled with um, pest management in my garden a little bit in the past, so I definitely understand how it can be frustrating whenever you're trying to grow your own food while also being a part of the ecosystem and respecting like bees and trying to promote their you know diversity and all of that and then you have those um squash beetles or you have something else in your garden that is eating your food and killing your plants I get that I totally get that um and it is a struggle I definitely do want to talk about some things that I've done um to prevent that from happening like companion planting and um there's also like different 
things that you can use in your garden to prevent or like repel things so like uh, i've seen some people use like garlic and um things that the bugs that are going to be trying to eat your plants don't like and hopefully it'll like deter them from um eating your your stuff but i do also want to talk about some things that you could be doing in your garden that will really help your pollinator population especially your native pollinators so the pollinators in your area are best adapted to local and native plants um, which often do need um, less watering than um, you know your ornamental plants but they also are better adapted to your area so um, native plants will probably be more tolerant of your soil um, and more tolerant of like your how your um, natural ecosystem in your area is or the the climate that's the word I was trying to think of sorry your climate in your area um, which is good but you still have to also think about like where they thrive best like if they're a shady plant or if they're a plant that prefers full sun um, and then I also do recommend planting in big patches of your plants so that's just to help um, pollinators get into what they can like it's it is better foraging efficiency there we go that's how you're supposed to say that um that was a hard one to get to get out there sorry about that um so I also recommend planting things in succession so what I mean by succession is like um, be thinking about what blooms when. So you want to provide blooms or flowers and food resources that are going to be blooming all year long. So um, for example, um, you may want to plant like a current um, for the spring or sorry, what is that? Yeah, for the spring. And then um, like an aster or a goldenrod for the fall flowers. I do have um, some goldenrod in my garden and it is so beautiful. Um, it actually just naturally started growing. And so if you're thinking about doing this, something that you can do and that I've done in the past is just letting a part of your, your yard or, you know, if you have like a field or something, you could do that too. If you don't have any space like this, that's totally fine too. Maybe you could get like a pot or something, but just like letting it, letting it be, not mowing it or anything like that and seeing what grows. I did that um, and I was really amazed by like the sheer amount of biodiversity that came up yes there was a lot of grass <laughs> there was a lot of grass but I was also amazed by how many different flowers were um, sprouting too like I had so much different goldenrod and like daisies and I even had like a sunflower come up which was pretty cool um, so there's a lot of really cool things that can start growing whenever you do that. The downside to that though is that you may also experience some invasive species coming up too, um, which is fine. I mean, I have seen, um, you know, there are some bees that will, you know, take advantage of those um, invasive species if they're like blooming and stuff, but um, something that is native to my area that 
the bees absolutely love is uh, our black cherry tree. Um, we have a couple that are just like naturally were here whenever we got here and then we also have one that I planted. The one that I planted is doing quite a bit better um, than the ones that were just like naturally here. In my opinion, they flower more. Um, but it is really cool. Um, they're up back in the woods like where we let, you know, just nature be um, and not do too much with that um because you know our water hose does not reach that far um and it's kind of difficult to um to do that but yeah so if you want to it'd be a fun little experiment and then you can like go out there and see like what's growing and then even if you wanted to just like looking and seeing like what pollinators are attracted to more i find that so fascinating um, just going out and observing my yard and seeing like what's happening. Um, so for the solitary nesting bees as well, um, they do, so in my state, like where I live in Appalachia, they will nest in the ground. Um, so they'll make like little tiny holes and dig way down deep and then they'll um, lay their eggs or like their eggs and then like the pollen for the food for their, for their young and then they'll like cap it off. Um, and then you'll see like little holes in the ground where they are, but what's so interesting to me is that they also utilize existing holes in like wood or even like concrete or things like that. It's really interesting. Um, but so whenever you are thinking about making a garden for your pollinators in your area, I recommend not um, using what is that called like that don't use like heavy mulching and then don't use like that tarp stuff what is it called that um black tarp stuff i can't remember what it's called <laughs> that's so embarrassing um but like heavy mulching or anything that would cover the ground where bees could like get in a nest i don't recommend for like your regular vegetable garden if you want to use that that's fine um but I'm talking about more so for like if you're making a dedicated garden space just for pollinators to attract them to your um, garden, but also to like where you are, um, then I, I wouldn't recommend uh, putting down like heavy mulch right there. Um, yeah, but it is really awesome. And then you can also plant things that'll attract butterflies too, because butterflies are pollinators too. Um, so I've got a butterfly bush that is native to the area and after planting that and planting a couple of other things to attract butterflies, I've noticed a huge increase in the amount of butterflies that I've seen here. Like I've seen um, a two-tailed tiger swallowtail butterfly, which is really beautiful. I've seen monarch butterflies and um, one that I've seen that's new around here at least is a silvery blue butterfly. It is so beautiful and cute and tiny. I am super excited about seeing that here. But if you have any questions about um, pollinators or different things that you can do to help attract bees to your garden, feel free to reach out and I'll be happy to help. Um, oh, so one last thing I wanted to mention. It's a good idea to have like a water source for them as well. So if you want to, you can like put like a bird bath there. That'll also be good for um, your 
your birds uh, in your garden because, you know, we do have like hummingbirds and things like that that are pollinators as well. Um, so as you're building your garden for pollinators, feel free to reach out to me and I'll be so happy to talk to you more about it because like I said, I love insects and bees. So any questions that you have, let me know and uh, please like comment, uh, share if you know anybody who is interested in learning more about pollinators, and I hope that you have a great rest of your week. Bye!